Good morning, friends and guests. It's so good to have you here uh, today. Just want to get invite you, and I'll invite you about talk to you about Trunk or Treat, uh, which is uh, a great outreach to our community. And if you can bring any candy along, or certainly bring kids from your neighborhood along, or volunteer, that would help us uh, so much. And of course, always be inviting your friends out uh, to our services. Well. How about those cubs, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, how many are actually cub fans here? I want to make sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be pushing it on you. But I'm just really excited. <laughs> I am just really excited. Wednesday night with Arietta, the way he pitched. Oh, man. Shut out. And then yesterday, oh, that first home run really scared me. But they came back six to three, and it's done on Monday, <laughs> right? It's done on Monday at Wrigley Field. It's fun to be a part of sports and, and watch sports teams. Back in my churchwide email uh, that I sent out, I said that uh, Dan and Shannon Deacon uh, were uh, the diehard Cub fans in our church. And you see a little picture of their daughter here, Wrigley. And I spelled her name wrong. It's not W-R, it's R-I-G. So I just want to clarify that. But this is a picture of her watching Wednesday night's game. All right? So we're all updated here. And no doubt she's going to be a rabid Cubs fan. And she has to find a Cubs fan to marry her. <laughs> Dan will probably require that. But, uh, yeah, exciting days. Today we're going to be talking about Toxic relationships. Toxic relationships. God designed us to be in a relationship. He wired us that way. And relationships can be the greatest asset in your life or greatest curse spiritually. I mean, if you're, right, if you're on the uh, right person... Uh, they're going to encourage you. They're going to uplift you. They're going to pray for you. You're going to be built up because of them. But if you run the wrong person, oh my, you know, they're going to discourage you and, and destruct. I mean, they're not going to be good for you. They're going to poison you. And that's why it's so important that we manage our relationships. Because our relationships impact who we are, and they influence us. Let's get a working definition of toxic. Anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. Well, yeah, if you have something toxic in your home and you have young children, you're going to make sure that it's put up high or locked away. Because you wouldn't want them to get their hands on it. Because that would be very dangerous. But friends, spiritual toxicity. We don't notice that as much. We aren't as clear about that. We don't see it as fast that somebody is influencing us in a toxic way. That's why we're studying this today. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, the Apostle Paul writes... Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Now, I would say that is a truism. Bad company ruins 
good morals? If you went to, up to anybody and asked them, do you agree with that? That you hang around the wrong people, the bad morals that it will affect you? And they'll say, yeah. Everybody would agree with that. But, but look at what it says. Do not be deceived. What happens is, is that we can easily fall into a toxic relationship and not even realize it. So as we study God's Word today, hopefully uh, the Holy Spirit will work in your mind and heart and bring people to mind in your life who might be affecting you in a toxic way. Let's look at uh, three different types of people who can be toxic. First, a chronically negative. I mean, they are just negative about everything. Everything they say, everything they do has that chronic negativeness uh, to it. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 17. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more godliness. So what's irreverent babble? Well, anything that doesn't glorify God. So if you're at work and uh, people are telling off-color jokes or gossiping or just being critical, you don't want to necessarily expose yourself to that. I know sometimes you can't avoid it, but still, that's toxicity that can affect you. You want to be careful in what conversations you become a part of, so they're not irreverent babble. Second Timothy 2.17 and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Herminius and Philitus. Those were two people who had left the church and uh, gone to another uh, religion. But yeah, the word, think of the word gangrene. You know, gangrene is, right? It's when you have a blood infection and uh, it stops the blood at a certain point And then that tissue dies. Now I'm going to show two pictures here, okay? And I don't want you to be freaked out, so <laughs> I'm giving you a warning ahead of time here. Uh, you guys can close your eyes if you're squeamish, all right? Just don't look. Just don't look. I'm giving you a fair warning, all right? But let's look what gangrene uh, can do to a person. Here's the first picture. Yeah, mercy. Uh, it doesn't look good or feel good, but you should see my other foot. Um <laughs> Let's look at that. This, let's look at this one, okay? Next one. Oh yeah. Ah. Oh. That's when you. That's when you let gangrene go. Let sin go in your life. It really starts to destroy you. Okay. Next slide. All right. You can open your eyes now. We're done with that now. So you say, Dan, why would you show? The, I I even had a grosser one, and uh, some people said that's that's too too much. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But uh, I wanted to illustrate to you and I what toxins from other people can do to our lives. Now, certainly if we had something black showing up on our foot, we would report it right away, right? Hey, I want this off. But many times, again, we're deceived and we're drawn to toxic relationships that does that type of spiritual damage to our souls. So this is why it's so critical we take time to talk about this and read the book and be in a small group.
because it's raising awareness. I've talked to a lot of people, I'm enjoying that book so much. There's a lot of things. Am I doing that? <laughs> yeah, it's opening their eyes, and that's God. what God always wants to do us uh, in Scripture. Well, let's look at three types of toxic people. First of all, the, chronic, the chronically negative person. The chronically negative person. This is a person who's always judgmental, always critical, always complaining, never good, never feeling good about anything. It reminds us of the people of Israel, right? In Exodus 16:3, And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. So he's speaking to Moses and the leadership there. And ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> Let's think about this for a second, okay? They had been in bondage in Egypt. They were working very, very hard. From dawn to dusk. They were slaves. They were controlled by other people. They're mistreated by them. But they're out here in the wilderness with Moses, where they're having to trust God for their food, and they say, hey, why did you take us out of there anyway? We remember. We remember all that meat. And we remember uh, just a wonderful bread. I mean, they're really kind of dreaming here. <laughs> right? Yeah. As you look at, you know, their, their trek, they were always complaining, always whining. And sometimes it reminds us of ourselves. But there are people that are just really negative. Everything they had negative count about. The Cubs are going to win. And they say, well, according to statistics, I wouldn't get your hopes up. It probably isn't going to happen. They always cast a negative light on everything. That's why it's so important that you protect yourselves from. Anybody know that type of person? Well, yeah. We all know one type of person like that, right, in our life. The second group is a controller. This is a person who's demanding, manipulative. Uh, he, he just uses fear to intimidate. In fact, um, does anybody know a controller in your life? Okay. Now, if you didn't raise your hand because that person didn't want you to raise your hand, that's case in point. Okay? <laughs> now, let's look at the tempter. The tempter. This is a person who's drawing you in to sin. This is a person who's encouraging you to sin along with them. We think of the boyfriend who's pushing his girlfriend to have sex before marriage. And if you have someone like that in your life, you just need to cut off that relationship. You can find a better person who loves the Lord. And then there are friends who tempt you to do the wrong thing, watch the wrong movies, drink too much alcohol, whatever it might be, and they're influencing you. Or maybe a friend who's materialistic, and you go shopping with them, and uh, <laughs> it's certain people that get you in a certain type of mood. And so when you go shopping with that person, you just... Get that greed going, oh, I want more, I want more. And so they influence you. And that's the most important thing I want to say to you guys today, is people influence you. 
the people you surround yourselves with, they're going to influence you to the good or the bad. And many of us think, well, you know, I'm, I'm like Teflon. Nothing can touch me. Well, that's Satan talking to you, right? Because a lot of things can touch you, even though you've been walking with the Lord for years and years and years. Satan is always looking for a way in. And many times it can be a relationship in which he uh, gets hold of it. So, let's talk about protecting our souls. The first thing is you need to set healthy boundaries. Set healthy boundaries. I mean, Jesus Christ did this in his life, right? You think about it. He came to earth. And he chose only 12 disciples, just 12 people. You think he would have chosen 200. But he had boundaries. He knew that he could have time to teach these men and train them in preparation for the new church. And Jesus, one time he just took off, right? He left them alone because he wanted to be totally alone in the wilderness. Of course, when he was tempted by Satan in order that he might be strengthened and come back. To minister to other people. And he was always putting the Pharisees in their place, right? You see that over and over and over again. They would come up with some smart aleck comment and then he'd just come right back at them. Pharisees could not speak against him effectively. And when he went into a town, he didn't heal everybody, right? No. He never says that he healed everyone. He healed people that God had called him to heal. So you see that Jesus had boundaries in his life in order that he might do the work that God had called him to. Now, we need to put boundaries in our relationships. Of course, uh, Henry Cloud, Boundaries. How many read that book? Boundaries by Henry Cloud. Yeah, wonderful book. You should pick it up. Uh, and there's boundaries with marriage, uh, boundaries with kids, boundaries with leaders, boundaries with your pets. Uh, they got a lot of books out there, really. <laughs> the last one wasn't one of them. But <laughs> those are all books except the last one. Because it's so important because we don't learn how to set boundaries in our lives sometimes. And therefore, it's so good to go back and to look at those. And that's what we're going to be talking about here. In fact, he set a real strict boundary with Peter in Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So again, the disciples knew what was going to go down. They just didn't believe it, that he was going to be raised. Now, Peter, you know, he was <laughs> the leader of the bunch and uh, he didn't want to see that happen. So what did Peter say? He said, from the time Jesus began to show his disciples that he... Uh, oh, the next verse, please. Thank you. Whoever goes... Hmm. Ah, thank you. No, go back. There it is. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. You're wrong, Jesus. That You're not going to have this happen to you because we are going to protect you. But he turned and said to Peter... Get behind me, Satan. Whoa. Ever had a friend say that to you? <laughs> you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things 
of man. So he was saying, Peter, you're being influenced by Satan right now. I don't want to listen to what you have to say. Again, I wouldn't go home and if your mother-in-law is over, get behind me, Satan. That wouldn't go very well. <laughs> you might feel that way, but you don't want to do that. Right? But you got to realize that there are people, as we go through this message, think about people in your life that have influenced you negatively in the past and you never set up those boundaries. Or maybe right now they're toxic in your life and you don't have the courage to set up those boundaries. In Proverbs 26, 20 through 22, it talks about gossip. Gossip. This certainly is something that would be toxic in a person. For the lack of wood, the fire goes out. No fuel. And where there is no whisperer or gossip, quarreling ceases. I mean, that's the nature of gossip, right? It riles people up. It makes them believe things about other people that aren't true. As charcoal, the fuel, to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Do you have a friend that gossips a lot? I mean, we all fall into that sin. There are some people that that's their real weakness. Uh, you, you just need to say to them, I don't want to talk about that when they start to gossip. I, I don't want to talk about that. That's not helpful. We should pray for them, whatever, you know, whatever you might want to say. And she says, well, what else is there to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, with some people, that's what they traffic in. And if you have a person uh, who's sometimes gossips, you know, I, I, I would talk to them at some point and just say, hey, listen, I, I, when she gets to that point of saying something that's of that nature, you say, stop. You don't have to come out swinging. You say, I don't want to talk about that. And I know your fear is, well, if I say that, she might reject me as a friend. Well, who wants a toxic friend anyway, right? That's what we usually do is we get involved in relationships and there's, there seems to be so much good in the relationship, but there's this toxicity that's bringing you down. You won't give up the relationship. So you let the gangrene grow in your soul. You in that situation today? You have a relationship with somebody and they're toxic in one area and you know, you really shouldn't expose yourself to that, but oh, there's the only, only friend I have. <laughs> well, God will provide you another friend. You just need to speak to them. This, we just need to be more open about this because we're always afraid of hurting other people's feelings or they're going to come back. Well, let me tell about you. <laughs> you know, that's what a gossip does, right? always happens at work. They're talking about somebody. And uh, another person comes in, one person leaves, and they talk about the person who left, right? If you're a friend of a gossiper, uh, they're talking about you too. <laughs> Everybody is fair game. We look at the fact that we just need to stand 
against demanding people and just say, I'm not going to let you treat me that way, especially if someone is mistreating you or verbally abusing you. I'm not going to let you treat me that way. You, just have to, you really have to pray. Bring it to God this week and say, Lord, I do not have the courage to do this. I know it's right, but I don't have the courage. Would you give me the courage? And the Holy Spirit will empower you to say what you thought you'd never say. But that's going to mess things up. Well, yeah, Jesus Christ does that, right? We're going to clean our soul out. We need to check some of our toxic relationships. Now, again, I mean, if a person is toxic in one way, but otherwise they're great, you might just have to put a boundary on that particular area and tell them that, and you can continue with the relationship. It's interesting. uh, I saw a uh, song, or excuse me, uh, talking about sexual purity. Uh, It's so important that we continue to teach our children and remind ourselves of the importance of being pure. Which is so critical in this age when our culture views it pretty much as entertainment. You can do it with anybody, whatever. But it's not that way at all. Sexual sin is very deep. It's interesting, if you look up here, I, I found a song. Uh, how, how many know this song on the next slide? Honey, I'm good. Anybody heard that song? All right. It's a popular song. Not the best song, but I, I love that it, it teaches morality. It teaches the fact that you should be true to one person. It says, nah, nah, honey, I'm good. I could have had another, another drink. So he's at a bar. He's drinking, but I probably should not. I've got somebody at home, and if I stay, I might not leave alone. So he realizes that drinking one more drink he might lose his common sense. You go to the next slide. Honey, I'm good. No, honey, I'm good. I could have another, but I probably should not. Again, talk about another drink because that will dull his judgment. I've got to bid you adieu to another. I will stay true. Now, that, that is a great song for our young people. If they're listening to sucker music anyway, right? That's great. I'm committed to this person, and I'm not going to sell out. Just because you might be attractive and, and I feel uh, drawn to you. Protecting your soul, you've got to set healthy boundaries, and then you have to cut off toxic relationships. Now, first of all, I have to say that uh, you can't cut off your wife or husband. <laughs> I'm telling you, you get a divorce. That's not biblical. Uh, and I wouldn't suggest... This afternoon, calling your spouse toxic in any way, that's not good either. There are other ways you could uh, encourage them in their spiritual walk and the uh, cleanliness of their soul. I mean, those are people and your kids, you know, you're there. You're committed to them. And also, when people are having marital problems, you never know what the percentage is, but we're we're all toxic in some ways. So the first thing you need to do is take care of your own toxicity if you sense there is some, and just continue to pray for your spouse. But there comes a point when you have to cut off a relationship. This rarely happens, but again, it's true. In fact, maybe some guys in here need to cut off their relationship from fantasy football. 
fantasy football. I've had some women come to me, say something about fantasy football because uh, <laughs> these guys get pretty addicted. In fact, uh, ESPN's Bill Simons, the one who really popularized fantasy football, said this, I'm tired of fantasy football making me feel bad about myself. It's like being in a relationship with someone who's always mean to you. I can't remember the last time fantasy football and I were happy. I really need to dump fantasy football. I don't like the way you make me feel about myself. Fantasy football, you're mean to me. Now, maybe that's the way you feel about fantasy football. <laughs> you just got to cut it off because it, it could be so addicting like so many other behaviors. In fact, here are the warning signs if your husband might uh, be addicted to fantasy football. Doesn't take his wife and kids apple picking because the awful Jaguars Chiefs game went into overtime. Another one is obnoxiously checks his iPhone for real time scoring updates 26 times during a church service. All right, anybody? Second for fantasy football? <laughs> Another one finds himself rooting for such things as injuries or for your actual favorite team to lose. So also your fake fantasy football team can win. So guys, if you struggle with this, I would really encourage you uh, to think about this. I mean, God's number one in your life, right? Uh, so being involved in the family here is so important on a regular basis. And then your wife. How much time are you spending with your wife, helping her, serving her? And then your kids. And if you have young kids, well, you don't have any time to play fantasy football, right? But some guys are. It's very common out there. Because, again, we all want to seek ways to escape. And this is just another self-medicating way to deal with the hurt inside. Well, think about that. And ask your wife what she thinks. Because, again, you can have a fantasy football relationship that's toxic, that's keeping you away from your family and your wife and, and what you should be doing. So that's important to consider. Uh, oh, one more comment here. Uh, the next slide says, uh, you're serious about spending. Is there another one? Uh, we'll just forget that one. All right, Second Corinthians 6.14, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, this is a type of relationship that uh, you just shouldn't be unequally yoked. In business, I think it relates to business, because if a person has a different value system, that can bring up a whole lot of problems, and especially in marriage. Marrying a person who isn't a Christ follower. And the thing is that we think we always can change people, right? We think we can change people, and therefore, okay, I'll, I'll date them. They're not a Christian, but I'll save them later, or I'll fix this about them later. That typically doesn't work. I know there are stories that go around. And, well, that's like 2% of... Uh, or 98% of, uh, of what happens. You know, we think that if we get around other people, they are going to come up to our level because they're going to see our shine example. Because we all know down 
they typically bring us down. So I can't say clearly enough that you need to, and you need to teach your children that they should date only Christians. Because again, that's the most important aspect of their lives. And it will be the most important aspect. I've had so many ladies come to me, and they've married me five or ten years, and they're struggling so much because they thought they could save their husband, but it didn't work. And so the husband doesn't want anything to do with church, and it creates all types of conflict within the marriage. So it's so important to teach our kids from from very first that, hey, you're going to marry a Christ follower because that's the most important thing you can do because that should be the most important thing. And that's what we're all about here at Springbrook is discipling children and continuing to say to them marriage is a sacred thing and sex should only be, you know, practicing marriage and and you've got to find another Christ follower. And I know it's tough. I have three boys uh, who are college age. And they're always griping about the fact that there aren't that many Christian women around. And I said, well, go where they're at. Go over to Willow. Go over to Chapel. I mean, that makes sense, right? Make relationships right there. But it really is a difficult issue uh, for young adults. So you've got to start teaching them early. Genesis thirty nine twelve, we read about Joseph. Remember, he was a servant for Potiphar, and he was, of course, taken as a slave, but he happened to end up in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife thought that he looked pretty good. So verse 12, uh, she caught him by his garment, saying, lie, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Now, I don't think you can show that scene on TV. Hopefully he had underwear, you know. I, I mean, but he fled. He got out of there. He wasn't going to have anything with it. She probably caught him just coming into the room, and she came on to him, and boom! He was out the door. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. Why does it say flee from it? Because our sexual drives are so strong. And they can overwhelm us at times. So we need to make our decisions first about you know, how we're going to relate to each other dating. And we need to make a decision first about a lot of areas of our lives. Because if you just kind of wait and you're tempted, it's going to happen. You've got to continue to pray about it and think about it and let the Lord uh, speak to you. Flee from sexual immorality. Then 1 Corinthians 6.18, the end of it. Every other sin as a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. What does that mean? Sins against his own body. Well, the nature of sexual sin is that there's more of a consequence to it for ourselves. God forgives it, but when you have sexual relationships with another person, there's something spiritual that goes on there. There's a unity which God intended. But as people use, you know, sex as entertainment, that's why a lot of people aren't doing well, and our, our culture is going that way. 
And, of course, they've been sold a bill of goods, and they continue to believe that it's okay, but it's tearing them up inside, especially women. It's tearing them up inside. So we have to continue to teach our children, remind our friends about the importance of being spiritually pure. Encourage them to pray for them. Why don't we bow our heads and pray together? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time that we've had together to talk about toxic relationships. They're so common, Lord. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to let go of toxic relationships. It's hard to draw boundaries. But I would pray that you'd be with my friends here and myself. I would carefully think through our relationships and ask Spirit to speak to us and say, is there someone in my life who's toxic? In fact, right now with your eyes closed, if there's someone that you need to talk to, that you need to set up boundaries in your life, why don't you just raise your hand? Raise your hand at this time if there's a, a relationship that's toxic. All right, thank you. Well, I pray especially for these people who've raised their hands. I want to thank you for their bravery and raising their hands and saying, hey, i got to deal with some of issues here. And I, I pray that you would just speak to them and they might get some counsel if they need that and exactly how to lay that boundary. It's hard to do. The Christian life is sometimes hard. It's hard to stay pure in a contaminated world. But I pray that each of us would do whatever we have to do in order that we would not introduce toxins into our life with a strong influence of relationships, but that we would manage them, put boundaries around them, or even cut them off. In Christ's name, amen.